In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the Sacrament. Amen. We may not have a more straightforward first reading in the entire three-year cycle than this weekend's Mass. Our old friend Isaiah is speaking for the Lord, describing how Just as from the heavens the rain and snow come down, and do not return there till they have watered the earth, so shall my word be. The image is quite easy to grasp. God's word acts like rainfall, achieving the end for which it is sent. In the ancient world, God was seen as the direct cause of rain. He sent or withheld rain many times as a direct result of people's behavior. A bountiful season of rain blessed crops and thus was understood as a result of the people's faithfulness, while a drought meant food insecurity and was understood as a response to sinfulness. As we continue with chapter 8 of St. Paul's letter to the Romans as our second reading, St. Paul is describing different groanings. First, the groaning of creation, then second, the groaning of we, speaking for human beings, and then finally the groaning of the Spirit. Next weekend's passage, verses 26 and 27 of this chapter, will speak about the Spirit's groaning. But this weekend, we concentrate on the first groaning, that of creation. We know that all creation is groaning in labor pains, even until now, St. Paul says. He uses the images of both a woman about to give birth, as well as a slave seeking to be set free, to describe how creation awaits with eager expectation the revelation of the children of God. But as he does so, he also describes how creation was made subject to futility, not of its own accord, but because of the one who subjected it. Here, St. Paul is talking about how, when Adam and Eve fell and sin entered the world, sin had its consequences not only for human beings, but also on the rest of creation. Recall that in Genesis chapter 3, after the fall, God curses the ground upon which Adam walks. This is what Paul means when he talks about creation being subject to futility, not of its own accord. Because, after all, it's not like creation sinned when Adam sinned. Rather, Adam sinned, and the rest of creation, too, was made subject to the consequences. But because of this, creation is groaning to be set free from corruption, just as human beings are, too. Human beings groan because, in Paul's line of thinking, they already have something like a sneak preview of the glory to come. That's the role of the Spirit, of first fruits, which is a concept we've highlighted on many episodes before. Because humans have this first fruit of the Spirit, they groan while waiting for the rest of the promise to be revealed. From there, we arrive at the lengthy parable of the sower in our gospel. At the start of the excerpt, we're told that Jesus sat down by the sea. As you'll remember, sitting was the common posture of a teacher in those days. Today, if you're in a crowd and start doing the YMCA, it's clear you want to dance. Back then, if you sat down in front of a crowd, it was clear you wanted to teach. And that's what Jesus does. Even though Jesus himself later refers to the parable as the parable of the sower, the focus of this parable is not so much on the sower or even the seed itself, but rather on the grounds that receive the seed. One is path, the second is rocky ground, the third is among thorns, and the fourth is rich soil. You might think it comical to imagine someone throwing seed onto a path, but remember at the time that this wouldn't have been a sidewalk made of concrete, but rather a packed earth path of dirt. There was still a chance that perhaps the seed could find its way into the ground, but we're told that birds quickly come and scoop it up from the path. Lastly, in between the telling of this parable and its explanation, 
we have this curious phrase in which Jesus says, to anyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. From anyone who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This might seem strange, almost as if Jesus is advocating for some sort of reverse Robin Hood. But here, he's describing knowledge of the kingdom of God and its workings. For those who have this knowledge, more knowledge will be given, and they will grow rich. But from anyone who has not embraced this knowledge of the kingdom, even what they might have had will be taken away. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time in Year A. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.